Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. Uh, you ready to talk about Hansel and Gretel? Yes. Do you say Hansel or Hansel? I say Hansel. Um, I've noticed that you say Hansel, so I, I just wanted to be polite. <laughs> In all our conversations about <laughs> Hansel <right>. and Gretel. <laughs> I think I say Hansel sometimes, too. Maybe not. Living in New Mexico, um, I've, I've been um, trained out of a lot of my my kind of harsh Anglo ah sounds um, to the, to the more soft. Ah, you just kind of, ah, you just kind of chilled out a little bit. I don't know. I, I'd have to put on, obviously the definitive resource for this is whatever they say in that, uh, like Hansel and Gretel witch hunter movie that came out. Like about oh, right. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I, I think about, is it Saturday Night Live with the, the sketch with uh, Hans and Franz? Yeah. So, so it, that's, it, that's it, your, that, that's, that's, that's your, that's, that's, your, that's your, that's how you understand uh, the German language. I'm, I'm sure yeah. like noted philologists, the Grimm <laughs> brothers would be happy to know that, that that's, that that's the Straight lens from the source. Is that alive? Yep. Um, yeah. So this is our Hansel and Gretel. This is our first uh, Grimm's fairy tale. Probably not the last that we'll talk about, but this seems like, I don't know why this, this seemed like a good one to start with uh, for me. What, how about you? Like, does this, it was a weird pick. Is this pretty no, I think, prototypical? I think this is, like a pretty, cl- I, I feel like when we've talked about, uh, when we, we've talked about fairy tales before, this is the one that we, we pick to talk about like, well, where fairy tales kind of darker or, you know, are they used to sort of give, carry instruction? Like don't go in the woods or yeah. you might get cooked in an oven. Like, I don't know. What, what, what would the other contenders be? Like, I don't know, like um, Rapunzel or I, I guess there's, I mean, sometimes I, I forget. So looking at the Grimm's fairy tales, I'd forgotten like how pre- like just how much has come out of that source material just right. I mean right just, not not just Disney but just ev- everything <laughs> really. well and, and Hansel Gretel is good because it it I think the actual story like when you read in in Grimm's it matches up pretty well with people's um normal kind of idea of what that story is about whereas something like um, like snow white if, you, if you're if you're kind of a normal american and you, and you think of the disney movie like that is not what the the story in, in well, this is, well this is maybe a really interesting thing to talk about because even in the uh like over the course of the Grimm's lifetime the stories themselves changed quite a bit so and and, and they're not you know original the, so the Grimm's weren't so much writers as they were Collectors, collectors right yeah, yeah like, like folklorists and and methodologists like really like how do you categorize these things and mm-hmm. and 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 philologists so they were about how do we preserve these german oral traditions but even you know in their uh lifetime over what i don't forget how many maybe there were seven editions of, of some of these stories that came out they were refined and they, they left out like i think the original collection had something like um uh, how the children played at slaughtering. I think that got like winnowed out. <laughs> it's, it's not in my book. And now I thought like there's, there's a lot of, if, if you, you can buy, like, it, it, how do we get back to like the grim grim, like the, the, the real, really the, the real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's because people objected uh, to these stories, you know, all, all the, 
people starving. And I think there's some like romantic, uh, like interludes and, and Rapunzel that, that got snipped out. And, and originally these necessarily weren't particularly intended for children, but then they became popular among children and became really bestsellers. So they kind of adapted to the audience. So, I mean, adaptation is, is a part of the game, like, like from, you know, as long as these, as long as these stories have been, been around. Yeah. And that's one thing I, like, I always kind of forget, um, is that this dilemma of a lot of these anyway, weren't exact, they certainly weren't written as children's books are written today. They weren't right. written with that kind of intent. Um, so it's in some ways it's kind of unfair to, to make comparisons between these and, and contemporary children's books. On the other hand, I think some of them were deliberately written for children, um, even if they were more as kind of cautionary tales or morality tales. So that that's like a it's like a weird balance to try and keep but, as a parent even, reading this. So one of the things though is that part of that adaptation process, and this is something that I don't know that I understood, and I, I don't know that I fully have a handle on it, is that some of the the morality of that. Like, so a lot of these tales they collected. This just reflects the life of medieval life in you know Europe, fourteen twenty, you know three hundred years before it's been passed down, and so they're doing the work of a preservationist. Just yeah. how can we archive this material? And some of the 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 morals I think were inserted in as they became popular, oh. because but almost as a way of preserving the original, like well, like well we can only print this um, objectionable thing if there's a story. So it's like maybe we still leave in like the the horrifying like scene with the witch that is such an object of fascination for the kids. It's part of why this makes it popular. But now we have to say the reason that they got eaten by the the witch was because they were lazy and, or, or they didn't obey their parents or they did obey their parents and they shouldn't have obeyed their parents. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like bad parents in, in like, obviously in, in, in this story in particular. And so the idea is that it's, it's okay to have these sort of awful things if, if there's a moral attached to it. And maybe right. sometimes like, there was a moral attached to it because that's how stories get handed down. They get handed down as like warnings not to do, not to wander off into the woods. But sometimes it, this is for like the, the 19th century sensibility, like moral sensibilities that they got put in. But so are you saying Hansel and Gretel wasn't, or, or like Little Red Riding Hood or something, wasn't the story itself wasn't created as a cautionary tale for kids? Like that wasn't the original. Those might've been, but I think some of the other ones were like, okay. like toned down or editor or they put in, they, they added a, it like that. Right. They, they, they appended something to it to sort of make, you know, uh, make it more palatable or make it, you know, not just kind of like a weird grotesque story, but like a, an avenue of moral instruction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. I, so the, the, one of the reasons I wanted to do Hansel and Gretel is because I, I wanted to read, introduce my kids to, to one of these, but I, I wanted one that they didn't already know the story of. So like the, there, there's several of them, like, um, like little red riding hood for, or, or Rapunzel. We, we have, or, or is it, is it in my book, like little red riding cap? <laughs> like, so. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's, that's the, uh, yeah. Interesting interpretation. Um, no, we've got, we've got little red riding hood. Um, but I wanted to introduce them to a story that, that they weren't already kind of familiar with because I, I just wanted to see kind of their reaction to the, the relatively um, raw original um, right. version, and but it's surprisingly hard, right, to find um, one of these stories that even fairly little kids um, haven't been introduced to, whether it's through like Disney movies or other more kind of sanitized uh, children's books. <laughs> um, and I found my they, and maybe it's not surprising, I guess, but like they were not that 
into it. They, they didn't seem very affected one way or the other. They weren't like, oh, this is awful and super scary and I never want to read this again. But they, they also have never, um, I, I've deliberately read this a few times and, and they have not chosen it. it once on their own. When, were they, like, so they didn't know, like maybe they knew, they, they could say, they knew a little something about Little Red Rider. Like if you said, if you asked them before you first read it, do you know who Hansel is? They wouldn't say. No. Wasn't, there was just nothing. Nope. Totally blank slate. Did they seem uh, like they, like, so, like, Hansel and Gretel maybe aren't, like, famous characters, well, they are famous characters, but maybe they haven't been Disney-fied in the way that, you know, some of these these others have, but I feel like yeah. they, like, their influences, I mean, there, there's a whole, like, in that, uh, whatever, that, that ATU, like, folklore index, there's a whole category just called uh burning the witch in her own oven like type 1121 so it's like a certain type of and i feel like like what we think about witches and like like even like don't take candy from strangers right. like that like this story hangs heavy over all of that does that make sense like did they have a sense for like did they kind of see things where things were going based on their knowledge of like you know witches being bad or like, no, can so, it be well, suspicious or and this is one of the things that surprised me because I I hadn't read Hansel and Gretel in a while, <laughs> and from from like a storytelling perspective, it's interesting because the part with the witch is only a pretty small fraction of the overall story. Much more of it is like them yeah. and their parents, and their parents I, trying to like abandon them for a while and multiple false starts with that, and like and then re, you know yeah. returning to the dad at the end. Um, yeah, that and that's okay. So this is the most interesting thing by far to me, like it's like that's isn't that strange like the like yeah. the like the even when they kill the witch like there's this bizarre scene where they have to they have to get back and they have to like so they, they kill the witch and they have all this treasure and then you think okay you know their worries are over and then they then they have this like whole other scene that's almost equally long where they have to ride this duck over and they have to right, decide, the like, yeah. the duck came to him and Hansel seated himself on its back and told his sister to sit by him. No, replied Gretel. That would be too heavy for the little duck. She shall take us across one after the other. So, oh, mine. Interesting. Oh, mine oh, bridges so, that. Yeah. The, the duck thing is like a line in mine. Oh, my gosh. This is like a whole, it's like a whole episode in, in, in this story. <laughs> well, how, so how does, okay, well, this is, this is, so how does yours, in my ends, um, they come back, the, the stepmother, ooh, who is really probably the worst? I don't know. We should we should talk about who the worst person in Hansel and Gretel is. But the stepmother definitely makes a makes a case for it. She's dead. We don't no explanation. It's just um, uh, the woman, however, was dead. So all right, uh, good riddance. And uh, and they they got all this treasure they got from the witch, and it, and and it ends. Then all anxiety was at an end, and they lived together in perfect happiness. My tail is, is done and there runs a mouse. Whosoever catches it may make himself a big fur cap out of it. What? Yeah. I definitely don't have the mouse yeah. thing. We have, well, this one's again, but the, also there, there's so many versions of these stories, yeah. but just like, what's the, like, you know, just from like a narrative building point, you'd think that like the, the high, like the, the real points of high drama would be killing the witch and then maybe confronting the evil stepmother. But then, right they sort of like bury the, killing the witch and then the, 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 the death of the, of the stepmother is sort of a footnote. Presumably she starved herself. Times were hard. <laughs> so I don't, okay. okay. You, you, you ready for this? My, yeah. my major interpretation of Hansel and Gretel. Whoa. What yep. if they're, what if they're the same thing? The stepmother is the witch. Wait, 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 wait. Like, you mean like, like, like the, the, 
Yes. Whoa. Whoa. The, this witch, that's part of her scheme. She goes around marrying w- widowers to entrap little children uh, for her. This is house. this is like one of those like like like, like thread like threads on the board like things that's like a, a galaxy. I don't I don't even know like maybe like, like how much time have you have you like like spent like trying to figure out like what adds up like I, like in in the story to to, to make that interpretation. It to me work after out. my last reading of this about a week ago, um, I'm just saying it's awfully convenient that as soon as the witch dies. They go home and the stepmother isn't there I feel like anymore. I'm gonna, we have to go online. That, that seems like that had never occurred to me. And that's kind of a, and it seems like surely, you know, Hansel and Gretel has been uh, interpreted and redone and surely somebody else has had that same thing, but that, like, I have never encountered that. That's really, maybe there's a anyway, bunch of people listening going like, of course that's what it is. Like that's like, <laughs> there, there must be some good Reddit threads on this. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But um but yeah, but it it is odd that um, just that yeah the the story and that's one of my not complaint is the right it feels like you can't really complain about Grim's Fairy. It's like it seems like a weird thing to do, but it 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 doesn't fit my kind of expectations of like how a fairy tale story is told. It, it was much more kind of jarring and. Um, just weird than i was expecting um yeah well i mean part of it depends like what you think it's supposed to be like is it this are they just preserving you know these these old stories are they reshaping them like like some parts of like yeah like you can't leave out the duck that's just you know i got this from you know grimelda or something and you know and her and that this is what story's been handed down for you know 600 years so we're not yeah. going to leave out the duck. Like it, if it, it made it this far, we're, we're not, then we're not good stewards of the story or it's like, no, let's leave out the no, duck. I, Cause that, that kind of, that kind of bogs the narrative down. And really we want to know like, what is, what is the reaction of the parents who left them in the woods to die? <laughs> like that, that seems like the real, like, you know, like dramatic gold, you know, uh, to, to, to be mine. Yeah. I mean, that's, and we, okay. We, we definitely need to talk about the parents um, at some point, but w- one of the ways I think about this is, in in um in the kind of education world, one of the things you, you hear people talk about is this difference between um, kind of curriculum focused education and child focused education. And the the basic idea is that there's two ways to approach educating a child. One is like, here's the important stuff you need to know, child. Now do what you need to do so that you you know all this stuff, right? So okay. it sort of prioritizes. You sort of fit the kid to the curriculum, right? And then the other, the other focus is um, sort of child focus. So you, you sort of follow the child's natural kind of curiosity and inclination, and that should dictate the curriculum and kind of what they learn, right? So I feel like there's, there's kind of a, that's analogous to when, when we think about, we tend to think about children's books as, well, children's books are for kids. They're for the like delight and entertainment of children, yeah. right? And, and they're created from that perspective. But that's, that maybe is a very kind of modern way of thinking about fairy tales and maybe fairy tales are much more about completely different things maybe it's just about um memory maybe it's just about preserving important cultural artifacts and stories maybe it's about moral education you know maybe that's much more um important and so i i think there's a it's it's really hard to for me anyway to kind of step out of my idea of what like children's stories and fairy tales are and should be and what they how they should be constructed and how they should feel <laughs> and to remember that like oh yeah maybe none of that 
apply. Maybe that's not a very acceptable standard to uh, hold older stories to. Well, especially when you think about what resonates, I mean, with the audience and, you know, the, the, the audience of this story, maybe in, I don't know, 500 years ago versus two, you know, 250 years ago when they were doing this versus, you know, now, like maybe people were really into the duck because everybody owned ducks. <laughs> I don't know. I can, and so like, or what a kid is really into though. I, I feel like some things like, so maybe like this doesn't uh, resonate with, with your kids as well, but reading that I was pretty gripped by this story, like reading yeah. it again, just, just myself. Maybe it's because I was, I was more struck this time with the, like the, 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 the parents, the, the, the parenting than, than before. Like what, what yeah, was, what I, was, what? I was more struck by like the meta story. It was like me thinking about the story that was m more kind of striking, I guess. Not, it, I don't know if, it, does that make sense? Like sometimes you read a story and you just, you just get kind of like swept up in the story. You're not like thinking yeah. about it a lot. This, this was very heady for me. It was like, oh my God, this is not at all how I remember it. Oh, how could they do that? You know, like just right. like lots of this thinking kind of about the, not like being, in the story and experiencing it so much. Um, well, well, part of me wonders like what sometimes in context, like, cause a, a lot of the, this, uh, a, a lot of these folk tales are bizarre occurrences. And, and some of like what's bizarre is a matter of, of kind of contemporary context. You know, right. like, like you might think, Oh, like the, the crazy thing is that, you know, they wouldn't have cell phones. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> But, um, but then some of these stories have things where it's like, no, this just seems like designed to be bizarre. So jumping out of Hansel and Gretel, just, just for a second, there's this one story, the, the white snake have, is, is that one. Have, have you read no, that one? Or, no, I don't know. If I'm so yada, yada, yada. Like, it seems like it's a pretty ordinary deal. It's like a, a, uh, this servant goes off to like make his fortune and he happens to, because this part's weird. Like he, he sampled, uh, uh, he ate a little bit of a white snake that the King typically eats every day. And so then he can understand animals. So that's, that's bizarre. But otherwise it's like a, it's, a, it's like a pretty typical tale. Yeah. He goes off to make his fortune and he has these three encounters on the way with animals and his actions towards those animals later on play dividends like later, because he does this sort of uh, compassionate thing with these three animals, those animals, end up being like a way that he's able to win the hand of this other oh, princess. Yeah. That's a pretty typical form. Right. So the first one is that there's these like fish that are, that are caught in the reeds and he, and he frees them from, you know, undrowning, whatever, whatever it is like when fish, when fish suffocate, when they can't be in the water. And, and the second one is he's, he's, he, he, he turns aside and doesn't tr tread on these ants because he can hear them complaining about it. And then the third one is he hears these uh, raven like chicks, complaining of their hunger so he kills his horse and feeds his horse to the ravens and it's like but it's not there's no it's like this isn't weird just like yeah just like not stepping on an ant or killing your horse to, to, feed, to, feed, to feed the birds and it, it turns out his instincts were right like the, the the ravens like later on like like i don't know lead him at the tree of life or something so it's i mean he guessed right, and maybe that's why he's a king and I'm not, because I that that would not be my you know gut reaction. We would not fare well in a grim right. fairy tale. But it's just like, <laughs> but it's just like, and is is that just like, oh yeah, that's the story, or would people at the time like, yeah, sometimes you've got to kill your horse to to just feed some random birds, 
like, or would that be more shocking because they, I don't even know. Like, but so does that make sense? Like what's, what's the context there? And is this just like, this is kind of a weird part of the story, but we've heard it so many times. It doesn't seem strange to us. Like in some ways, like the Hansel and Gretel thing is there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Like the, there's a, a house made out of candy and a witch lives inside. I mean, that, that's, that's a, that that's a bizarre thing, but maybe I've heard it so many times that doesn't seem strange or maybe it's meant to feel strange. I don't know. Do, do you get what I'm saying about like, what is like, what is the, the, the shocking parts of the, of this story you think at the time? And has that changed? Like, is it just like, yeah, you know, it wasn't shocking for, for parents to abandon their children, their kid, their, their, their kids in the woods because they didn't have enough to eat. No, I mean, well, so maybe like another layer of this strangeness is that we thinking about kind of historical interpretation maybe another bias we have is that we assume well to like to a certain type of person like back in the day this would have all made sense right but maybe not maybe like random stuff just gets incorporated maybe through pro- probably through oral tradition and sort of like the playing telephone effect like weird random stuff just makes its way into these stories and that's just a part of that's that's like how it goes that's what happens with these i mean we, we need some sort of oral storytelling tradition expert on the show yeah, but we gotta, uh, we gotta a lot more it's totally well, possible that back then that random stuff seemed just as weird to us right well and maybe that well it's like a weird thing and like i feel like oral traditions are strange because because something's weird it makes it more memorable so maybe that's how it gets included in the story but then once it's memorable and it's told over and over again it becomes less strange and so it's not like it doesn't, it's not disruptive to the story. Like people are like, well, yeah, that is strange. But right. once you've heard it like 30 or 40 times, it's like, this is just a part of the story. This is just kind of like a found. Yeah, that was bizarre, but bizarre things happen every day. And this is, you know, now you're kind of habituated to this particular bizarre instance in this particular story. Yeah. And maybe, maybe our like modern sort of sensitivity to, um, like appropriateness is just very extreme. Like may- maybe we just have kind of a um, rigid idea of how how well structured and thought out and sort of planned stories should be, and maybe that maybe that's weird. Maybe maybe our idea that like weird stuff shouldn't happen in a story is itself kind of weird, right? Maybe, maybe no, it's more normal. Than... No, the fact, the once again, the fact that the, these stories were edited so much, you know, even during the course of the grandmother's lifetime shows that like there is an audience reaction. And like, even then it wasn't just like, like when, like, I think that probably some, because these are old tales, maybe does some of like the, the sensibilities of like, a, I don't know, 1850s Berliner, like th- th- some of this stuff also seemed like they, it seemed pretty bizarre and out there. But maybe yeah, but had, I think like had, those were more like the moral, the things right. that are, you know, like I mean, you you could say randomly or killing your horse is is less of a <laughs> moral issue than right. It's playing at slaughter, right? <laughs> um, right. But yeah, I don't. Okay, so let's get back to to Hansel and Gretel. With I mean, to me, the really striking thing about this, especially as as a parent, is like, okay, so there's some kind of like a plague or you know something going on where there there just isn't enough food right but the the basic idea is that the stepmother convinces the father who goes along with it that they have to abandon their children in the woods so that they have enough to eat yeah that's like that's like the the driving impetus of this story is there's not enough to eat so we're going to go out into the woods and just like leave our kids in in the woods (laughs) right 
I, it's hard not just like the whole time reading the story. It's hard not to be thinking like, what the? <laughs> right. And how you still, you still kind of like, oh, the father's still good. Even though he goes long, that just seems like that is quality. Like, even if it's not your no. idea. Oh. And it's like, oh, sure. He regretted every day, but he did it twice. Right. Well, your, so I, you know, I think we've obviously got like different versions. How does your, uh, uh, do you remember how your story describes how she convinces him the second time? So, so what happens is the first time goes by and then he's able to save up some like white pebbles, Hansel is, and that's right. how he gets back home. And, but, and so then some years go by and so it wasn't just like the next day that they try again, like, you know, the, the, the famine ends and then things return to normal and then some time passes and then there's another famine and the stepmom's like, well, you know, here we are again. And even though the father had like regretted it and had been very, he still goes along with it, but she convinces him. What is like, what does she say? She says the way, the way that it is like in my version is really, let's see, like, uh, that the man's heart was to have any thought it would be better for you to share the last mouthful with your children, which is like a, like that's right. You know, that's usually what we think about parents saying because we have these, you know, like paternal and maternal instincts. The woman, however, would listen to nothing that he had to say, but scolded him and reproached him. He who says A must say B likewise. And as he had yielded the first time, he had to oh. do so a second time also. So yeah. she's just like, well, I mean, like you can't. But you're not being logically, you can't be logically inconsistent. Well, so that's right. Yeah. So therefore we've got to abandon, we've got to abandon the children again. And even that yeah. language, I mean, it's hard. Like the language of folklore, he who says, "Hey, let's say," I mean, that, that sounds like a like a like a logic problem, you know. So, <laughs> or it's like it's like appealing to precedent, right? Right. It's like, well, you know, clearly this is an atrocity, but there is precedent for it. There so, is precedent, I mean, and who's gonna? I mean, you can't argue with precedent. So, and he's like, "You're right." <laughs> so, so I mean, is is it possible that this was meant to be more symbolic rather than literal? Like, is that the problem maybe these are not actual characters but they're sort of i don't know types or ideas and so you're not supposed to kind of read it literally um and that it's about i don't know like you should have more loyalty to your spouse than your children or something or you maybe but that's but but then like but it's not really examined because then she dies before they even get back so it's like well who knows like i mean maybe (laughs) Maybe like the other, like maybe he was like, I can't believe that I did this. And then he like, he shoved it on a wall. He's like, I can't believe that I, I picked this like awful human being over my own children. Like I've like, maybe he killed her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I, and then, but the difficult. thing is like, but also there's like no question that the kids like want to get back to like, get back to this obviously dysfunctional household. Right. Even well, though it's like they, yeah. What, what is that, are we about to like? Is, are we on <laughs> a mechanic worms about like? <laughs> no, but like, given everything else that's absolutely bonkers that happens in the story, like that's that that, that that's part seems totally surprising. Like that, that seems like psychologically okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, and I guess the 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 other thing that's maybe worth talking about is, um, and I was definitely thinking about this as I was reading this to my to my five and a half year old and three and a half year old, like. Is, is this appropriate? Is it appropriate to read this book to a five and a half year old, a three and a half year old? Like this, this is pretty intense. Like some pretty intense stuff happens. Uh, what do you, what do you think about? Have you read this to your kids? No, <laughs> so, but I, but I think, but I, but I don't, I don't know that I'm as concerned. I mean, maybe I would, I think, I mean, Jack definitely takes like, 
I mean, he, he's told me multiple times that he's going to watch Finding Nemo when he's 18. So I, that gives you like, a sense like where <laughs> where he is as far as like, and he, he gets really troubled by like, like bad guys and villains. I think, um, but p- partly I think, I, I think I probably will, but I, I feel like I need to kind of think through, I just can foresee this prompting a lot of questions. Yeah. And so I feel like I want to, this seems like a, a, a story that'd be hard for me to read along to him in real time. Um, without having <laughs> read, read read it first, um, there was a lot of like pauses and commentary and right. um, yeah. assessments as we were reading. <laughs> I think my daughter, my oldest daughter, said when we got to the part about the um, the stepmother wanting to leave them in the woods, her, her response, "Well, well, that's kind of rude." Yeah. Well, she's not. I mean, that's that checks out. <laughs> yep. Um, but but it's also kind of interesting that my my girls didn't have. Well, like that, that response was kind of prototypical. They, they didn't seem like disturbed by it. They, they weren't like, oh no, we can never read that book again. Or like they, they weren't having bad dreams about um, witches and, and candy houses and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I think, so I think, so disturbing stuff is, is a real deal. Like I, I thought there was like the first like R-rated movie that I saw, like when I, I guess for like happened on and there was like a graphic image of like an arrow being shot into somebody's eye. And that definitely ooh. disturbed me and like yeah. gave me nightmares. So that's like, that's a, that's a real thing. But also sometimes the things that like, like in some ways I was more like perturbed reading this as an adult thinking about the parents abandoning the kids yeah. than I was like troubled by it as a kid. Cause I, I definitely, I, I don't ever remember not knowing about Hans. That, that's like an early, I don't know how it, I don't think it came in my life necessarily in the book that I have now, but like, I, I feel like I, I it's just kind of part of my residual memory is Hansel and Gretel. There's the, the witch with the candy and then she gets the, the witch gets shoved into the oven. The witch is also a weird thing is the witch isn't entirely human. Like it, it's presented as sort of a, a different species, but you know, they have a stronger sense of smell and, yeah. and so, and, but, but the, but the sins of the, the, the parents are very human sins, you know, of, of selfishness and neglect. Anyway. So, you know, sometimes I think what separates uh, like adult versus children is, isn't necessarily, how violent or how, I don't know, like inappropriate it is. It's, it's, you know, sort of like things of moral complexity or, 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 or stuff like that. Like kids can be sort of like fascinated by like a horrible thing without fully comprehending yeah. it in a way that like, I think kind of shields them. I mean, what, yeah, what and, and, and to be fair, like none of the details in the story are that scary or gruesome. Like probably the worst is the idea of the, the witch going into the oven, but even there, there's, there's no detail about what that's like. So it, a lot of the scary stuff happens on a pretty abstract level. Like, um, you know, like even, even the kids getting left alone in the wood, it's not like there's no detail about how, like what happens to them when they're, or how lonely they're feeling or, or how like, it's just like, well, this happens. And then, and then we're quickly like moving on to the next kind of plot point. So there, there's not a lot of, in-depth description of how bad this bad stuff is yeah and even like i remember reading this like as a or, or as a kid like i was not so much like thinking like how awful would it be to slowly starve to death but i'm more like the kids are very resourceful and they just because there's oh. a lot of like in a lot of stories there's danger and it it can be hard. maybe maybe actually in the time those dangers were more horrifying because uh starvation was a was a much realer specter than it is for my, my right. own kids. Like they could imagine how, you know, how you're, you, you get down and you have to share a crust of bread between the two of you and, 
and your family has to make some really brutal, hard decisions. But mostly I remember like, man, like I would never remember to, to put things in my pocket. And, and the idea of like how they fool the witch by, he sticks like a chicken bone or something out there. And she thinks that's his, yeah, right. his arm, which like, yeah. uh, and he knows that she can't see it be, because presumably he acquaints himself with like the, the physiological aspects of like witch sight. Witches, right. like, so like, man, that's, that's smart of him. And then, <laughs> and then they, yeah, then like, fortunately they, they, they seize an opportunity to shove her in the oven, but that's, in some ways that's not any more graphic than any, you know, than like the, the stuff that happens to like the mice and red wall or any of these other, like, you know, like children's books or stories. And you know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's, and it's more about like, these kids are clever than like, these are like grotesque images. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a great book called, the uses of enchantment and it's by this um it's written i don't know maybe 67 years ago by a guy named a psychologist named bruno betelheim i think um and it's so it's a book all about fairy tales and he goes through all these kind of classic um mostly grimm's fairy tales i think and his basic argument is that it is actually important to expose kids to these stories in particular because it is while they, they can be scary they're ultimately validating of kids kind of some kind of deeper underlying fears and insecurities that don't often get talked much about um so like in Hansel and Gretel like a lot of kids have some form of sort of attachment anxiety right or abandonment fears right they're like worried that mom or dad are, are going to leave and not come back or something and that what he kind of argues that what's really terrifying actually is it's not that the fear itself it's the it's the fact that I'm afraid of this and that's not good to, to kind of have these fears. And so by presenting kids with these stories of, of other kids who kind of go through and experience these fears, it ends up, even though it's kind of scary, it ends up being reassuring that it's like, it's okay to be afraid of this stuff. And oh, like, let's just, well, it's like, okay. Yeah. Instead of saying like, that's silly. Obviously mom and I are never going to be like, okay, let's just see how it plays out. Yeah, exactly. And you give them and, a realistic and, alternative. And, and, like, and play out like it seems like not only they get lost in the woods they get lost in the woods and then the first person they stumble on happens to be a witch and that's kind of like, that is kind of like a worst case scenario yeah right and but they like still, you saying you can be resourceful and... resourceful and so even if this is unlikely this happens you can call upon your resourceless and you can escape it and you know then you can live happily ever after and yeah because ultimately as as a parent like you don't want to tell your kids or imply to your kids that bad things will never happen to them. Like, Oh no, it'll all, it'll be okay. It'll always be okay. Like that, that's crap. Like that's such a setup. Yeah. <laughs> In the long run. What I think ultimately what you want to equip your kids to deal with the inevitable, uh, hopefully not super bad stuff that happens. And then that is probably in the long run is probably much more, confidence instilling um that even though bad stuff will happen there is a way to take care of it um and handle it that that's got to be more confidence instilling than uh, you know cross your fingers and hope that nothing bad ever happens right <laughs> so I, I i don't know like so i when i read these a lot of these stories or when i'm kind of on the fence about um like age appropriateness for stories that idea does kind of cross my mind that obviously there's really extreme stuff that you probably don't want to be ex exposing your kids to. Um, but maybe we're, maybe we're discounting the, the importance of to some degree exposing them to some, some frightening stuff um, in children's books and stories. I mean, I feel like that, that, that checks out for me. I mean, I, I do feel like I can like, and this may be a safe scenario because I, I feel like, I can't protect my kids from everything, but protecting them from a scenario in which 
I leave them alone in the woods without even having had time to collect white pebbles in the proximity of a witch who has a house made of candy. Like that is like a, that is a worst case scenario that maybe will never come to fruition. <laughs> so they can always yeah. have that. It's <laughs> validating as a parent, right? Like, well, I'm not doing too bad, actually. Like, <laughs> I blew up and yelled at my kid yesterday, but at least I didn't take him out to the woods and abandon them. <laughs> what? For a second time? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we, we will probably revisit uh, future uh, in future episodes. We'll, we'll pick on some other um, Grimm's stories. Yeah. But... We'll, and we'll also revisit this in maybe a few years when, when you, our kids have come. It's like, you know, what really messed us up was these, with these, with these fairy tales. <laughs> years of therapy they're going to have to be in. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.